0: So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy
1: Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall! Grands! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: Ask and ye shall receive. The people want more championship help and that's exactly what you are going to get. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Thursday, September 24th. He is Scott White. I am Frank Stanfield, and we are here for you. The people, today on the show, which aces are done in the regular season and can be dropped. We're going to try our best to figure this out together. Lots of daily lineup leagues still in action, so we'll take a look at Thursday's slate and give you some hitters for the weekend. Uh, We'll take a little look at Wednesday. A few stud pitchers made their final starts, of course. And what else happened? We'll talk about it. What's going on, Scott? I heard that uh, you are building up that lead in Tout Wars. I'm happy to hear that.
1: Yeah, when I looked today, I was up by six and a half again in a Roto League. I don't know. I don't know how how it changed that dramatically, but apparently the the charge that Tim McLeod was making was a mirage, and I'm still in a good position there, thankfully.
0: Shout out to Tim McLeod. Great player. Someone that I have talked to at previous stops in my fantasy career. So, I'm happy. I'm happy that you're you're getting back up there. But... I said it all along, man. Like this is not your typical roto season. We're still gonna see things fluctuating like crazy this final week of the season. So, I'm telling you, it's all gonna come down to Sunday. It's going to be insane. All right, let's take a look at Wednesday first and foremost. Let's see who was dominating, who wasn't.
1: Oh my good, goodness gracious!
0: All right, Scott, you want to get us started? Oh my goodness gracious! A standout from Wednesday's action.
1: Sure, I want to talk about. Lucas Giolito because Lucas Giolito I am very high on heading into next year having put together my first two rounds he comes out as the number five starting pitcher walks have been kind of high this was his third straight start with three of them but he had 11 strikeouts in six innings he had 22 whiffs all right 22 swinging strikes that makes it Five out of six starts now for Lucas Giolito with 20 or more swinging strikes. I believe, I believe that last look, he's second in swinging strike rate in between. Who do you think? Jacob deGrom and Shane Bieber. Giolito is right there in the middle. Uh, The walk rate, like I said, is going to end up kind of high, but we know he's capable of more than that. I think if he continues to do this stuff-wise... Everything's going to come together for him. He's still in his mid twenties. He has a lot of a lot of career ahead of him, and uh, I think I think the best is yet to come for Lucas Giolito. So
0: I brought this up in the past. Is Giolito someone who has just feasted on good matchups this season? Looking at he struggled against the Twins in his first start of the season. He allowed seven runs there. He allowed. Five runs, only four earned against the Cardinals. That should have been a good matchup, actually. Uh, Yeah, he just really struggled against the Twins, mostly. Yeah, I can't really make an argument against him. And, Scott, I know that you published a recent personal two-round mock draft. That is on the site, CBSports.com. You can check that out. So, Scott gives you what he thinks the first two rounds should look like. His top 24 players who should be drafted in a Roto League. Some... Honorable mentions as well, but you have Giolito as your 16th player off the board going just, just after Aranola and just ahead of you Darvish and Trevor Bauer. You know, I would try to I would try and make the argument for those pitchers ahead of Giolito, but I mean they're they're not perfect either. Like Darvish is 34 years old. Trevor Bauer, who I'm sure we I'll bring him up right now what he just did again on Wednesday was ridiculous on short rest again, but like Trevor Bauer has a history of having volatile seasons as well. So, you know, who is the real Trevor Bauer?
1: Yeah. Uh, That's true. And he was going on short rest today and eight innings, 12 strikeouts. That was his third start in four with double digit strikeouts. And, by the way, he's supposed to get another start because the the Reds playoff fight is probably going to go down to the last day. He's going to start on 3 days rest again on Sunday and you know, he he may have clinched the Cy Young award with tonight's performance. I, I don't know, maybe if if the short rest catches up to him next time out and his you know, kind of skews his ERA, then maybe he'll lose it again, I don't know. But if he does typical Trevor Bauer things next time out and sure he's a lock for the award yeah i mean the fear for trevor bauer is just every year he seems to tweak his entire arsenal and you don't really know what's going to come out what's going to result from that so you know some of the tweaks he made this year they weren't what i thought he needed to do to get better i i saw a big rise in in fly ball rate from uh from a great twenty eighteen season to twenty nineteen and thought maybe he should feature the curveball more, get those ground balls up, he actually went the other way. the fly ball rate is even worse than last year, and yet he's just been untouchable i mean the the um uh the what's the word the spin rate the spin rate on basically all his pitches is way way up, and um it's been <laughs> he's just been blowing it by everybody so. Uh, if uh, obviously the based on his performance this year, Bauer would be a top five pitcher heading into next year, but given his history of tinkering and this, having this vast arsenal where he's always working in pitches and taking them out. And like, we just don't really know exactly what we're getting into and we don't want another situation like happened to 2019 where it blows up in our face. And by the way, that's kind of the reason, you know, it's an, a less extreme version of that, but it's kind of the reason I'm, I'm, I'm putting you, Darvish, behind both G. and Aaron Nola, because his, you know, his arsenal is so vast too that it, it would be easy for him to stray from this formula for success that he's landed on over the past, uh, I guess, basically five months of play, right? Less than a full season. Take the second half last year, the two months this year. And obviously, you Darvish has been amazing, amazing enough that I have him going in my second round. But I do have him outside the top five, like Bauer, even though recent performance would suggest maybe they both belong in the top five.
0: And, you know, I was looking into Bauer and trying to figure out what is he doing differently this year than years past. I mean, the pitch mix does not look that much different. He's throwing his fastball more this year than he has uh, the past two seasons. It. 48% usage. That's the highest it's been since 2017. And the velocity is actually down. But you mentioned the spin rates. And I think that's what it comes down to. You look on StatCast, a bunch of red everywhere. Red on StatCast is good. And, you know, he worked with Kyle Body and Driveline Baseball in the offseason. So maybe that explains why the spin rates are up this year for Trevor Bauer. And speaking of Kyle Body, he actually had an interesting tweet. Of course, he's Trevor Bauer's biggest fan. So it's like whenever Trevor Bauer is out there, Kyle Body is tweeting about him. But, he had this to say. Uh should be been waiting for the three days rest thing to come to fruition. Finally it has. Should be interesting in 2021 when he does it for the whole year. Kyle Body said that about Trevor Bauer. So look, I don't know if a team is actually going to let Trevor Bauer pitch on three days rest for an entire season.
1: But well, if that's he- right. I mean, Body works with the the Reds now and Bauer's gonna be a free agent, so we don't know. Yeah. Um unless unless Body has insight on whether or not Bauer wants back in for 2021. We don't really know, but yeah, Bauer's kind of their star pupil. And if if everything he's done this year is what it appears to be, then they've kind of turned him into this this superhuman pitching uh, bit of pitching perfection. And uh, I, I'm sure Body would like to continue working with that.
0: It's going to be interesting to see where Trevor Bauer lands. If uh, Pay attention to this. It, it, if people are talking about him actually going on three days rest, that means he is going to get more starts than every other pitcher in baseball next year, which means more volume, potentially more opportunities to ruin your ERA and whip. Doesn't look like the case this season, but uh, the volume could lead to more strikeouts. My oh-my-goodness-gracious standout, I want to highlight two players who are kind of stumbling here to the finish line, two young players who... Just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about as being potential early round picks for 2021. Oh, Louis Luis Robert really scuffling here last 8 games. He is over 26 with 14 strikeouts. Entering Wednesday, Luis Robert's 22.5% swinging strike rate led all qualified hitters. The Statcast numbers are not looking good either. The quality of contact has really come down for Luis Robert, probably because he isn't making much contact in general. Um, Oddly enough, he is struggling mightily against fastballs this season. Uh, He's doing quite well against breaking and off-speed pitches. So uh, maybe that's actually something to be excited about for the future. I I would imagine he, you know, those numbers normalize and he is better against fastballs. But Scott, what do you think about the recent struggles of Luis Robert and how that could affect his Outlook for
1: next. Yeah, season. it's an interesting observation because usually hitters, when they first come up, fastball is what they they hit well, and they have to learn to hit hit the curveball to use a cliche. But um, you know, the ways Luis Robert struggled are predictable. We didn't exactly know how his skills would manifest in his first major league season, and for a while there, it looked like he was going to deliver on his best case scenario. Turns out that didn't happen, but i i don't think I don't think we should come away from this rookie season disappointed. Uh, he he did show us a lot. What he still needs to show is making more consistent contact, and that's not that's not an unusual thing for somebody so young. Um, but you know, he ran a lot. He has run a lot. I guess I should use I shouldn't use past tense since he could end up still running some. Um, But, yeah, I mean, probably like for a roto league, probably talking about like a fourth or fifth rounder still, I would think, because of that power-speed combo.
0: Yeah, head-to-head points. We're going to have to drop him down a little bit. A 32% strikeout rate in the rookie season for Luis Robert. The other gentleman is Sixto Sanchez. And this hurts. I know it hurts a lot of people, but it hurts me in particular. I'm competing for the championship in my home league that I have never won. We've got a free-for-all going the final two weeks of the season. And I had Sixto Sanchez in my lineup for, I believe it was two starts. And he has given me negative seven fantasy points over those two starts. Sixto was at the Braves on Wednesday, allowed four runs, walking four over three innings pitched, only two strikeouts. He has now allowed nine runs over his last two starts, just seven innings pitched. The ERA is up to 3.46. The XFIP is up to 4.06 for Sixto Sanchez. Scott, I'm not as confident as I was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about him as a potential top 25 starting pitcher for next season.
1: Yeah, if if we're gonna put a positive spin on this, it's it's that (laughs) it's clearer now where to take him next season as more of a prospective a perspective stud pitcher for you as opposed to somebody who kind of performed in a studly way, but not over enough starts to feel really confident about it. You know, his XFIP now, his ERA is 346. His XFIP is over four. The walk rate is still good, but after walking four and three innings, not, not as exemplary as it was, he got a lot of ground balls. I mean, he did a lot of things well, but he's far from a proven commodity. And, um, it kind of would have been a mirage if, that it, it kind of would have been a mirage that he was a proven commodity if he had been able to sustain it through the end of the season. But yeah, I mean, I was hopeful he'd do better against the Braves. Obviously, that's a tough lineup. I got bit by him in one league where I'm pl- playing for a championship too. It happens. That's all the more reason why you like to have as many true studs, true studs starting pitchers as you can. Though, I mean, it's not like... The biggest letdown pitching-wise today was Sixto Sanchez. It was a couple of guys who I'm sure most people considered studs. Mike Clevenger and Max Freed both removed after one inning of work because of injury. Uh, Clevenger's one inning was good. Max Freed's not so much. But Clevenger's seems like the bigger injury. Freed's sprained ankle or whatever. They've already clinched the division. Probably just want to make sure he's good and ready for the start of the playoffs. Clevenger, it's more bicep stuff. So he... There, there's no assurances he's he's going to pitch in the playoffs
0: yeah and that's that just sucks for padres fans my fellow padres fans as you know my uh my national league team the, the san diego padres of course mm, uh, i'm but, sure
1: you were so conflicted in 1998
0: oh uh, yeah of course you know when i was seven years old i was i was <laughs> so conflicted scott um but that brings us right into our news and notes. Of course, you mentioned Clevenger left his start after just 12 pitches. The biceps tightness resurfaced there. So we'll see. I, we don't know if he's going to be available for the postseason. But uh, no, this truly does suck because the Padres gave up you know, quite a decent package to get him. And we're hoping to have him as their potential ace in the playoffs. Max Freed, you mentioned, left as well. Apparently, this was more of a precaution. He tweaked his ankle they didn't want to take any chances with the playoffs approaching. They want Max Fried to be 100%, so they'll give him a little bit little bit more extra time for Max Freed to get rested up. David Dahl was placed on the 45-day IL with a right shoulder sprain. This poor guy, so young, just cannot stay healthy. I'm not ready to say that it's like the end of the line for David Dahl, but he's got to show us something, man. It's I
1: feel... I feel so much better not having him in my dynasty league anymore. I traded him away at the deadline this year, and it's just, oh, such a relief not to have to deal with that. Did you
0: trade him to Nando? Was that one of the? I trades traded him?
1: him to Nando. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh, Nando. Nando's... He didn't want
1: him to be. To be fair, yes. Yeah. I mean, in the end, he took him. So I don't know how much of that was just. Gamesmanship, you know. Oh, David Dahl, uh, I don't value him anymore. Oh, uh, that's my Nando impression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good times.
0: All right. Justin Turner returned to the Dodgers lineup Wednesday as he fights through that hamstring strain. Julio Arias wound up not starting for the Dodgers on Wednesday, but was instead used as a bulk reliever. And I think his line wound up. Looking pretty good. Yeah, it was. Six innings, two hits, one earned, two walks, five strikeouts. Maybe they should do this a little more often because if you put this up against all of Arias' starts, probably one of his best appearances all season long. So I don't know why they did that. I think I read somewhere they're toying with the idea of using a opener in the postseason, Bruce Starr adderall So all right. Could be interesting there for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Nelson Cruz, Yasmani Grandal, and Chris Bryant all remained out for their respective teams on Wednesday. Nate Pearson feels good and is expected to return from the injured list soon for the Blue Jays. He'll be used out of the bullpen and could potentially be a weapon for them in the playoffs. Michael Conforto was back in the lineup for the Mets as their designated hitter. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts against Tyler Glass. Now, Carlos Martinez was diagnosed with a, quote, uh, mid-back strain on Wednesday. He also allowed eight runs over five innings. Sounds like he was just suffering from a case of dumpster fire. Joe Girardi confirmed that Reese Hoskins is unlikely to return before the end of the regular season. He is working through a UCL issue in his left elbow slash forearm. Email of the day. This one's from Tyler. I don't have a specific question here, but I have a request. If you could focus on some of the discussion on the podcast on how to approach late-week starting pitchers, that would be extremely helpful. I have guys like Jesus Lozardo, Framber Valdez, Dallas Keuchel. I'm afraid that any stud starting pitchers who play for a contender who is scheduled to start past Thursday is in danger of getting skipped or having an abbreviated start. So... This is going to be fun, Scott, because look, we're going to try our best. There's no, there's no definitive answers there. You know, I think the only person I've seen like Kevin Cash came out and said, Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now are not going to start the rest of the regular season. They're going to rest up and be ready for the postseason. Same thing could be said for Max Freed. Obviously he's not going to start again for the Atlanta Braves.
1: The rest, but, 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 you know, they weren't even Snell and Glass now weren't scheduled to start the second time and neither was freed for that matter. So we will I, take a look at it, try and
0: figure this out together here, Scott. We're gonna make a few assumptions, but we'll try
1: our best. Um, okay. Yeah. No. I. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what has exactly changed since we talk about since we talked about this uh, heading into this week. Uh. Well, the the only thing I know for sure that has changed is Trevor Bauer is going to make a second start, which means Sonny Gray isn't. And I'm not even sure that's totally set in stone. Uh, Presumably the Reds playoff standing will come down to the final day and then they'll want power in, but I I guess there's a chance it doesn't. Um, So that's definitely changed. I don't know that any team would ask, any other team would ask any other pitcher to start on three days rest. So anybody who started today, that's the cutoff for three days rest. And so I, I think you can eliminate anybody who started today.
0: Um, yeah. I think a lot of this too is just that people want confirmation that they can drop their aces. It's kind of just yeah. a weird thing to do. you know, Dropping Shane Bieber off your team, dropping Giolito, dropping Kentomaida just feels weird doing it. So I think people want that confirmation. But those pitchers are not going to pitch again. Like Bieber's done, Giolito's done, uh, Kenta Maeda is done. So here's how this works. The AL Wild Card Series starts on Tuesday, September 29th. The NL Wild Card begins the next day, September 30th. Looking at the American League, six teams have clinched thus far, but seeding is still up for grabs for a lot of these teams, honestly. And mention Kevin Cash. I assume Garrett Cole is not going to make another start, right, Sky? I haven't seen anything for certain, but I don't. Well, think that's Garrett. the thing.
1: Like, I haven't seen anything for certain either. Um he's scheduled to start well he was scheduled to start Sunday. I'm not sure when he was scheduled. Okay, yeah, he was scheduled to start on Saturday originally, but that would mean he wouldn't be available for the start of that series, so um
0: and that just makes no sense because Right.
1: Why why would they do that? The Yankees Okay, now now it. it looks like Davy Garcia's schedule, at least according I'm actually looking at espn.com. Now it looks like Davey Garcia is scheduled to start Saturday's game. So, yeah, I think there's no good argument for the Yankees to start Garrett Cole over the weekend that I can see. So we can probably rule him out. It's not 100%. We're kind of we're kind of intuiting this, you know. It's all all we can do is look online. We don't have we all we can do is look online and intuit things. So um, you know, hopefully we're not we're not spoiling some dark secret there, but that's all we can do. Uh, likewise, Jesus Lozardo. I don't know who else the A's would want starting Game One of a postseason series. Like, if I were them, I wouldn't want that to go to Mike Fires or or even Sean Manaya who was good against the Dodgers today. I'd, I'd want it to be Lozardo. Uh, i I'm not the A's, of course, but if I if I was, then I would say, why am I starting Lusardo over the weekend? So and, and we talked about that heading into the week, that there's a good chance Lusardo might not start at all this week. Uh, I'm still leaning toward that. Fromber Valdez is one that came up before. Presumably they'd start Zach Granke in game one. And he'll be ready to go after pitching on Wednesday. So- game two. I mean, to me, Fromber Valdez looks like their number two starter, but it's it's a close call. They have Urquidy, they have McCullers, who I'm sure they like a lot. They, uh, you know, Christian Javier's had a good year, uh, so I, it, it's not clear to me that Valdez isn't going to start over the weekend. If it were up to me, he wouldn't, but it's not up to me. So you'll just have to you'll just have to keep an eye on that. Uh, anybody else we need to address specifically here?
0: Uh, he brought up Dallas Keuchel, the emailer, and Keuchel is scheduled to pitch on Thursday. So I assume he will make that start and then he'll be done. And that will still line him up to pitch the second game for the White Sox.
1: Yeah, they'd want Gilito in game one, obviously. Keuchel does look to me like their number two starter. So that lines up perfectly. I don't think you have to... It, if anything, they probably want to make sure Keuchel's stretched out enough to give them the length they need in game two, since his last start was his first start back from injury. So I actually feel good about playing Keiko this week, particularly in like a points league context. Obviously that's his better format anyway.
0: Scott, when I was scouring the Twitter machine to find out information about Jesus Lazardo, I actually found a lot of A's fans who said like, they didn't want him to start a game in the postseason, which I thought was crazy, but they were like, yeah, Chris Bassett for the first game in the postseason. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what's. Uh, look, no one knows for sure, but, uh, you know, if that information comes out before we record tomorrow's podcast, then we'll let you know. So pay attention yeah. on uh, Lazardo in particular, because it's just, you don't know what's going to happen there. But I would assume some combination of Lazardo, Manaya, Bassett are the three pitchers that they do want. Mike Mm -hmm. Fires, I mean, you kind of know who he is at this point. I don't want him pitching for my team in the postseason. But, hey, I don't run the Oakland A's. The National League is much more open, Scott. Four teams have clinched the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cubs, and the Padres. Clayton Kershaw is scheduled to pitch Friday this week, which lines up for him to start Game 1 next Wednesday. So, I assume Kershaw will make his normal start this Friday. Be ready for next week. Um, As for... The, Cardinal, like the Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, Brewers, Giants, Phillies are all still battling it out. Trevor Bauer looks like he's going to go again. And I would assume if, it, if it's coming down to the last day or over the weekend, Aaron Nola and Brandon Woodruff are probably both going to pitch again. Yeah,
1: I would think so. Um, I, I Look, if, if those two teams are eliminated before the last game... I still would think they'd pitch again. Uh it's not like they've had it's not like they've made 30 starts, you know, and and a team might want to uh take it easy on them. They probably would could stand to have more innings both of them. So the only way that might change is if either of those clinch their playoff spot early and need to be rested for game 1 of the postseason, but I don't think judging where they are in the standings right now, I don't think that's going to happen. I assume
0: Kyle Hendricks, who pitched Wednesday night, is also done for the season, right, Scott?
1: Yeah, I would assume anyone except Trevor Bauer, who pitched Wednesday, is done. They, You know, a team could decide to bring one of them back on short rest if they felt like their whole season depended on it, but I would bet against it. I would bet against it. So I feel like anybody who started Wednesday, if you're in one of these daily leagues, except for Bauer, you could feel comfortable dropping them.
0: All right, Tyler. So hopefully that helps you. I know a few other people tweeted at us, Scott, and emailed in asking about this exact scenario. So, boom. I hope that was helpful for you guys. (laughs) Uh, In terms of daily lineup leagues, looking at, we usually save this for later on to stream or not to stream. We'll do that a little bit earlier right now with pitchers, and we'll talk a little bit more about hitters as well. But for Thursday, I have the must starts as Hyunjin Ryu is going up against the Yankees. Dallas Keuchel is going up against Cleveland. He's probably on the border of being a must pitcher, but it's a good matchup going up against Cleveland, so I like it. Zach Plesak against the White Sox. Lance Lynn against the Astros. Corbin Burns is at the Cardinals. And then I assume all of those pitchers will be done for the season after they make those starts on Thursday. So, Scott, Patrick Corbin against the
1: Mets. Yay or nay? I'm going to say nay. Like a horse. Uh,
0: exactly what Patrick Corbin has not been this season a horse for your fantasy teams he's been quite the opposite recently in particular so I agree yeah I, I would not want to start Patrick Corbin in this spot how about your boy Ian Anderson he is going up against the
1: Marlins so it wasn't so great for him last time out but um not not a real cause for concern either I'd start him
0: yeah, it's still a good matchup. The Marlins are twenty fourth in weighted on base average against right handed pitching. Walker Buehler in his return from the IL. Don't know how many innings he's going to give you in this start. He's going up against the Oakland A's.
1: Yeah, that one's a little scary. That one's a little scary. I think if you're, I think if you're picking and choosing, you only you have a limited number of starts or starting pitcher spots to work with. Maybe you avoid him, but if it's just. If it's just start him and get something or sit him and get nothing, I'd go with the something and, and hope he gives me like three, four dominant innings.
0: Yeah. Weird season for Walker Buehler, but I would probably start him as well. Alec Mills at the Pirates? Sit. Really?
1: Good matchup? Risky? I know. I just I don't think he's a good pitcher.
0: <laughs> you know, I, if, no if this hitters, was a points God. league
1: call, but I don't think there are many daily points leagues out there. It could be wrong.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, and Roto, I just, I, I don't think the risk is worth somebody who has, doesn't really have much strikeout upside.
0: Alec Mills in points, not in Roto or head-to-head categories leagues. David Peterson at the Nationals.
1: I, I was really good last time, but I don't, he's got to do it again for me to think there's anything to it. Sit.
0: Pablo Lopez at those dreaded Braves.
1: (laughs) It's borderline. I lean towards it after what just happened to Sixto Sanchez. Martin Perez going up against the Orioles. He's been frustratingly good this year. Frustrating because I don't know why. I'm going to (laughs) sit.
0: Frustrating. I'll tell you why, Scott. Because every time you probably picked up Martin Perez to start him, that was probably bad Martin Perez. And then after you dropped him, that's when he was good Martin Perez. That I haven't picked him up anywhere, but I, I could just imagine that happening to anyone who tries to figure out the rhyme or reason behind Martin Perez.
1: Well, you know what? You know another guy who, even beyond Martin Perez, has been good in a way that I just didn't even notice until tonight is, is Zach Eflin, who's... K per nine after his second straight nine strikeout effort. He went eight innings today. and got nine strikeouts, seven innings, nine strikeouts last time. He had a start earlier in the year that was that level of dominant. He's at 11.2 K per nine this year. Zach Eflin. That is not a stat I ever would have associated with Zach Eflin. His XFIP is 308. He's got to be among the league leaders in that. Now, he's a good ground ball pitcher, which helps XFIP. Um, and obviously that strikeout rate helps XFIP. He's hardly walked anybody, so that helps. It. Like, it makes sense why he has that XFIP when you break it, break down the numbers like that. But I just, having experienced Zach Eflin uh, from my position monitoring him start by start, I never would have guessed those numbers popped up for him. And his swinging strike rate has improved this year. It's not very good, but, y- you know... It, it's it's the kind of it's the kind of swinging strike rate Zach Wheeler's always made work for him, so I don't know. It's, I I don't really get why Eflin has landed on these numbers, and I don't think I'm going to be particularly high on him heading into next season. But nonetheless, this is what he's done, and it's pretty impressive.
0: He is using his curveball more this year, which has been his best pitch. Throwing his fastball a little bit more. Velocity is. Basically, where he's been at in his career, throwing his slider less than ever before. So, I don't know. Maybe it's you know Girardi being there. Girardi's kind of helped Nola take that next step, and maybe it's you know been the same thing with Zach Elfman. But yeah, I did not realize that he's been this good. Three point zero eight xFIP. That would rank. Uh, he doesn't qualify, but it would be ahead of names like De Nelson, Garrett Cole, Brandon Woodruff, Lucas Giolito, who's got has been. Drafted in the second round. Yeah. All right, Zach Eflin. Name to watch for
1: 2021. Yeah, Back- It would be in the top 10. It would be better than Trevor Bauer, who I just called a pitching super superhuman. <laughs>
0: oh, gosh. This Trevor Bauer thing is uh, so frustrating. Chris Bubich is going up against the Tigers on Thursday. To stream or not to stream?
1: I'm loving Chris Bubich right now. Granted, I was loving Brady Singer, going into his yeah. Tuesday start. Right, it was a Tuesday start. Gives uh, you a little so. gives you a little pause there, Scotty. Take that, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, but I, I would say start here.
0: The Tigers, man,
1: and I brought this up before. Three
0: seventy four weighted on base average as a team versus left handed pitching this year is second best, behind only the White Sox. It's. It's a little scary. I'll just I'll throw it out there for Bubich. Uh, Christian Javier is at the Texas Rangers.
1: I think you got to start him with that matchup.
0: He's been kind of limited his last couple of starts. So in terms of innings, I don't know if that's like a workload thing. They're trying to limit him as the season's coming to a close. I think the matchup is still good. Get him out there. But don't be surprised if he only goes like four or five innings in the start. Kwang Hyun Kim is at home against the Brewers.
1: Yeah, he he actually wasn't so great last time out. I, we didn't talk about. It. I don't remember what day it was, but um, it was. He, he's a guy who's. I wasn't trusting what he was doing at all because there was really no single thing he was excelling at except run prevention, and um, it's a good matchup against the Brewers. I'd be I'd be inclined to sit him though in case I was just desperate for an extra start.
0: His last time out was against the. Pirates you are correct he allowed four runs over five and a third the start before that was at the Brewers in Miller Park Seven shutout with six strikeouts So take that for what it's worth it He has dominated the Brewers in the past, but they've also seen Kim pitch now before so that might favor the Brewers hitters So it's kind of open-ended there. I think it's a little risky as well. Mike fires is at the Dodgers that is a no for Scott, and that is a no for me as well. A hitter that you might look to stream on Thursday that has a good matchup. I don't know if it's actually possible for people to pick up hitters and start them the same day as they hear this, but I'll give it to you anyway because this is what the people were asking for. I have Michael Franco going up against Michael Fulmer. I think that's a pretty good start. Alex Dickerson and Austin Slater. Slater's been starting again for the Giants. They're going up against Chi Chi Gonzalez. Not- Not really scared of Chichi Gonzalez. Jason Hayward is going up against Chad Cool. And Jackie Bradley is going up against Alex Cobb. Any other names that caught your attention, Scott, for Thursday?
1: No, not for Thursday specifically. Or Uh, for the next couple of days, the the
0: final weekend of baseball action. I, I,
1: I I did look at the weekend series look ahead to the weekend series. Uh, So Friday through Sunday. And a lot of them were the same names I was hyping for the entire week. Obviously we're we're talking about half a week still left. Um, So it includes like Brandon belt. They have four games in those three days. The giants do a few teams have four games in three days. Actually the Rockies do the brewers do, Uh, but Brandon belt is still widely available. He's having an okay week so far. And, um, at least in a points league context he is. And they have four games over the weekend against Rockies pitchers. So that could be a strong finish for him. A team I'd like to add that I didn't really talk about for the full week because they were only playing two games in the first four days, but they're playing four games in the final three days is the Arizona Diamondbacks. So it would include guys like Christian Walker, Cole Calhoun, who hit a bunch of home runs last week. Uh, Catel Marte, I'm not sure what his roster percentage is, but he just came off the IL two days ago and may have been dropped in your league. Uh yeah, Diamondbacks Diamondbacks might have a few candidates to play there. I, I think pitchers are a lot more interesting in a streaming context. Like if you're playing for your championship, you you obviously have really good hitters. And so I don't think like you're not gonna win. There, there are no points for getting cute, right? You're not gonna win on cuteness. So like don't yeah, I mean don't don't look so deep into the matchups that you start, you know, Christian Walker over uh, Jose Abreu or something like that. And there's no there's no reason for that. Just start your studs. But sure, if you're if you have if you have an obvious hole in your lineup and you're looking to fill it with somebody who who uh, the, the matchups favor, then those are some possibilities for you. Scott mentioned the Diamondbacks,
0: who have a doubleheader over the weekend, and a few other teams that also have a doubleheader. The Cardinals, the Brewers, the Rockies, the Padres, Giants, the A's, and the Mariners. Cole Calhoun, I agree with. Some other shallower names, names in shallower leagues that you can add. Uh, Ryan Braun, Kevin yep. Pillar, David Peralta. And speaking of the Diamondbacks, it seems to be a consistent theme. If you need a catcher, Carson Kelly and Dalton Varsho have been playing better recently. I mean, if this is just us, if you are really desperate for a catcher, those are a few names to take a look at and some deeper ads, Dan Vogelbach, Jake Lamb, Josh Fuentes, all names that I have mentioned recently, but they are all on those teams that are playing double headers this weekend. Sounded like you wanted to say something, Scott. Did you want to?
1: Well, I wanted to mention the Braves play the Red Sox over the weekend and their the Red Sox pitching staff is terrible. Of course the Braves have already clinched their division. I don't know who they'd be inclined to rest, but you know, if Adam Duvall had one last big weekend in him, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Hey, I'll take it. I am starting him in that home league head-to-head points championship that I am in. So, come on, Duvall. Let's get another one of those three home run games this weekend. The last name I'll mention, I don't know what the matchups are, honestly, but he's just hot. Cabrian Hayes hit his fourth home run of the season on Wednesday. It's been a really nice showing. Nice start to the career of Cabrian Hayes, who we kind of just labeled as a defense-first type prospect.
1: But he's looked good so far, Scott. That's... That's what he was. I mean, we we weren't we weren't telling falsehoods there. But I, I I get a good feeling about him. He's hitting the ball really hard. The the strikeout rate is, you know, it's not it's gonna be the sort of thing that holds him back. He has four home runs now and sixty-nine at bats. He could stand to elevate more, sure. But, you know, if he's gonna hit it as hard as he's been hitting it, in those 69 bats, four home runs, four doubles, two triples. He has a stolen base, and that was kind of an underrated thing he did in the minors, too, was was run a little bit. I I feel really good about the way he's starting his career here. Obviously, tiny sample. Things could go wrong from here, but um, he is slowly turning me into a fan, this Cabrian Hayes.
0: We're going to hit a quick break, but we have a new podcast at CBS, and it's... Sounds awesome, and I think everybody should go and check it out. You may know Patrick Peterson for striking the Heisman pose while at LSU or making eight Pro Bowls with the Arizona Cardinals. Well, now he's expanding his resume to podcasting. Yep, he'll go from the football field on Sundays to the studio on Mondays for all things covered with his co-host and cousin, two-time Super Bowl champ Bryant McFadden. The name of the pod says it all. Pat and B-Mac will break down the Cardinals and the NFL on a weekly basis, but we'll also discuss much, much more. You can also expect them to chop it up with prominent guests on each episode. Download and subscribe to all things covered on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. We're going to hit the break. When we come back, Take a look at some of Wednesday's action. Bryce Harper with a little double dong. I appreciate that after we talked you up either on yesterday or the other day's podcast. Scott, I just lose track of days this time of year. It's like every day just kind of blends together. Football research, baseball research, trying to watch the NBA playoffs. It's a good problem to have, but (laughs) but the days are just blending together. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will hit all of those things here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. Have a day, Bryce Harper. I mentioned before the break, a double dong with three intentional walks. How about this from ESPN Stats and Info? Bryce Harper is the first player with multiple home runs and three intentional walks in a game since Albert Pujols did so in 2013. The only other players to accomplish this feat since intentional walks were tracked in 1955 are David Wright, in 2007, and a gentleman named Claudell Washington in 1980, Scott, what can you tell me about Claudell Washington?
1: Uh, he's a name that comes up from time to time, but i I, I think he was like a really fast guy. I um, have no
0: idea who he is, so yeah it's
1: it was before my time. Mr. But. Washington or
0: any relatives of his, if you are listening, I apologize, but honestly i I just my history is not. Great. I mean, let's be honest.
1: So He stole over 300 bases, so I think I was right about that. I'm trying to pull up his
0: baseball reference page, but it's moving a little slow here. All right, Claudel
1: Washington. Ah, All right, wasn't really a home run hitter, so to do that. Well, you know, it was the 80s. True. He had some 15-plus homer seasons.
0: All right, so, yeah. Bryce Harper, what a stud. You know who's not a stud? Joey Gallo. He went 0 for 4 and is batting 175. And, Scott, he might permanently be on my do not draft list. I just, I've never owned Joey Gallo. I don't want to own Joey Gallo. People were excited about him for the first week or two of the season. Just in a roto league. You can try and sell me on the, well, he has 50 home run power. That's fine. He also has the downside to hit 175.
1: So Yeah, not, I think I might not be there with you. I was encouraged by the line drive rate for last year and the second half of the previous year but when it gets right down to it both of those weren't a huge sample and um you know it's he he just delivered his worst case scenario this year so he's going to be better next year but i just i pulled him in some of my leagues well there's really only one league where i drafted him but i pulled him you know probably halfway through. And the thing is, if I'm doing that after a month, what's going to keep me from doing that after a month next year too, if he has a cold month and then you miss out on a lot of like, it's easy to say, okay, well over six months, these stats will even out, you know, he's going to wind up hitting a little over 200, but the home runs will be worth it. But that's only true. If you stick with him for all the home runs and that's, that's, that's the part everybody forgets. Like, Fantasy baseball is not a a set-it-and-forget-it exercise. You're, you are setting a lineup every week, and you'll be tempted to pull him out when he's struggling. Might miss a lot of the good stuff.
0: That is a fantastic point again on Joey Gallo. We mentioned Lucas Giolito and what he did and how excited we are for him for next season. How about the gentleman who was up against him, Shane Bieber, who just locked down the Amer- American League Cy Young, maybe even the MVP. I saw some chatter about this on Twitter. Shane Bieber winning the AL MVP. I guess it's not out of the question based on this season that he just had. 1.63 ERA, 0.87 whip for the Beebs, Double-digit strikeouts in 8 out of 12 games. What? That is just ridiculous. I, when I saw how many double-digit strikeout games he had, I was like, all right, well, maybe Scott's right. Yeah, Maybe I need to rethink this. Shane Bieber versus Jacob Degrom. It's close. It is. It's close. Heading into next season, Shane Bieber. Yeah,
1: just... I, I. It's close. I think it's a reason. I think it's. I think it's a reasonable debate between this year and last year that the main reason I like Bieber more than Degrom is between this year and last year he has shown. Uh, I don't know if it's the ability or just. I, I don't know what I don't know what you'd call it, but he has he has been going deeper in games on average than DeGrom has. And that's a big deal. It might contribute in some small way to the win discrepancy between the two. I mean, DeGrom would look a lot better if the Mets for three years in a row now didn't have this tendency to just give him no support. And so his (laughs) wins are never living up to the rest of his stats. But um, I I don't know that it's fair to factor that into the ranking because that's you know the Mets aren't a bottom of the division club. They are going to win games for some of their pitchers. It stands to reason. Eventually, Degrom would be one of the pitchers they win games for. But it hasn't happened. I will point out to to put a fantasy spin on the MVP context for Shane Bieber. There is only, according to the the Roto rating, the the rotisserie rating, how players are ranked in rotisserie. Um, There is only one pitcher in the top 10 among all players. It's Shane Bieber, and he's number one.
0: Mm. I noticed that too yesterday when I brought up Jose Abreu is the best hitter. The only person that was ahead of him is Shane Bieber in Roto value. So just a fantastic season out of the Biebs. My Yankees got pounded. They lost 14-1. to The baby Blue Jays are getting hot at the right time. Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. Vlad Jr., Lourdes Gurriel, and Danny Jansen all had multiple hits in this game, and I think if Bobuchet is healthy, he's probably like a third round pick heading into next year, like a third or fourth round pick. The upside is is evident, Scott, for Bobuchet.
1: Yeah, I mean, top of mind, I'm thinking round four. It's. It'll be interesting once we actually get the players lined up because I feel like we could probably come up with 30 names that are <laughs> round four players. And that's kind of the way it was last year, too, uh, which is part of the reason why I was in favor of drafting so many pitchers early is because, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between this third round hitter and the seventh round hitter. And I think that'll I, I think we'll see a lot of that heading into next year, too. Zach
0: Greinke. Went four and two thirds, three earned runs. He has allowed three or more runs in seven straight starts. His season ERA will end at four point zero three, but his xFIP is still three point four nine. I have a feeling that people are are going to try to fade Granky in twenty twenty one. He will be thirty seven years old, so I kind of get it, but at the same time, I can I can be talking to Zach Granky as like my SP three or SP four if he gets pushed down far enough.
1: Well, he's had a weird stretch here. Seven straight starts with three earned runs or more. Some of them are quality starts, but, you know, barely quality starts. There's still a 450 ERA. So it's been a lengthy run here of really meh production from Zach Greinke. And he is throwing about two miles per hour less than last year. But when you look at, like, strikeout rate, when you look at XFIP, his XFIP is actually lower than it was last year, and it's about the same as it was two years ago. So... Uh, anytime there's a two mile per hour drop in a velocity that raises some red flags, obviously, but it would be reflected more across the board than it is. If it was really, if it was really limiting Grinky's effectiveness. So I'm not that worried about him going into next season. I think he'll probably be right around 20th in my starting pitcher rankings again. If, if he's not for other people, then I guess I'll have a lot of Zach Grinky, probably as my number four starter.
0: Yeah, I I agree with where he should be ranked, but I don't. I think other people are going to be hesitant because of the age, and they'll just see the surface ERA. I'm I'm gonna be in on uh, on Zach Renke if you can get him at a discount, as well. Scott, is there anything else that you wanted to highlight from Wednesday? I know that there was like a lot of action. We talked a lot about streamers for Thursday and the weekend, uh, but I'll just give you an opportunity here to to
1: open up. Well, worth pointing out, Dean Kramer was awful after three. Really strong starts to begin his career. Seven earned runs in two and two-thirds innings. He walked three. The control had been an issue even as he was succeeding. Uh, Randy Arena. Let's talk Randy Arrows Arena. he homered twice? He now has seven home runs. That's a lot of home runs for the at-bats he has. His expected stats, though, 254 batting average. 4.77 slug. You know, not bad, but, but not great. Not somebody who would be an obvious asset in fantasy, somebody who would be rostered in all leagues if he was doing that, presuming he was getting full-time at-bats. You know, you break it down. He's not hitting the ball super hard. He's not hitting it super high, meaning the fly ball rate isn't the kind that would lend itself to a lot of power. It's kind of plate discipline for Randy Arrows Arena. Not seeing a lot to get excited about here. I think, I think that one's a mirage. There were a few other uh, interesting two-homer games. Danny Jansen homered twice for the Blue Jays, also had a double on a four-hit day. It was only his fifth multi-hit game on the year. wonder if he was inspired by Alejandro Kirk, his big game the other day. And look, I really want Alejandro Kirk to be a thing. He's 21 years old, so he has plenty of time to become a thing still. Danny Jansen, though, for as awful as he's been this year, he has a high line drive rate. He hits the He's hit the ball to all fields very well. Hit, hit, hit it more up the middle than pulled it, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's the kind of profile that lends itself to a high batting average, not the bottom of the barrel one he's had. And look, the XPA isn't very high because he hasn't hit the ball very hard, but I don't know. I still think there might be something there for Danny Jansen. I'm not totally ready to give up on him. I'm not sure the Blue Jays are either. Uh, Felix Pena got a save. Probably too late to care about it. You know, for what it's worth, Mike Myers, who who we talked about for a two-inning save earlier, he set up Pena. He pitched the eighth inning. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, Nathan Evaldi had another great start. Eight. Strikeouts and six shutout innings, 18 whiffs, but it was fastball cutter, slider again. He now well, the slider's interesting, I guess. Okay, so there was a breaking ball mixed in there. It wasn't it wasn't just uh it wasn't just all hard stuff. Um so maybe he's on something. Maybe he is starting to develop a breaking ball that's allowing him to be a little more consistent here. Salvador Perez. That was one of those two homer games that was interesting, and his numbers are phenomenal this year. I mean, he's been better per game than JT Real Muto this year. Real Muto. Sorry, i got to train myself to say it that way now. Um, It's pretty exciting. I don't know exactly what it means going forward for Salvador Perez because obviously he has a pretty lengthy track record of being one thing. He's already 30, I think which is usually an age when catchers are slowing down. Uh, But particularly a position with not a lot to offer that those numbers really stand out. He has been more of a line drive hitter this year, kind of lowered his launch angle in a way that seems to have improved his overall profile. And, and, you know, maybe that's just a small sample thing. Maybe it wouldn't continue into next year, but I'm, I feel like I'm, because of, because of the breakdown of the catcher position, I feel like I want to give him more the benefit of the doubt than not, Salvador Perez. I was putting together my catcher rankings today. JT Real Muto, number one, of course. I did go ahead and slot Wilson Contreras behind him, but I have Salvador Perez third, which I'm pretty sure is the highest I've ever ranked Salvador Perez. And uh, you don't like it? No, Scott, come on. Salvi's number two. You think it's Salvador Perez number two easily?
0: I think so, Yeah. I was I was excited about him coming into the season. I mean, yeah,
1: didn't. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with track record here for both of those players, Wilson Contreras and Salvador Perez. Wilson Contreras' batted ball profile actually hasn't been that different this year, even though the production has been kind of disappointing. I'm willing to move Grandal behind Salvador Perez because of uh, um, the age. Grandal's getting pretty old, and he wasn't playing as consistently with the White Sox. Uh, Travis Star knows another one. That you're just not sure how seriously to take it, but he's been amazing, and he's under contract one more year with the Braves, so his role's not going to change, his surroundings aren't going to change, and like the entire profile supports what he's been doing. So I actually have him fifth. I don't want to turn this into a catcher preview, but <laughs> since we I kind of got off on that tangent, I wanted to mention Travis Darno. That's my top five at catcher: J.T. Muto Wilson Contreras, Salvador Perez. Travis Darnell. I missed I didn't name one of the five. I'll keep it that way. Keep some surprises there for
0: you. Mm, I have a feeling of who it is and someone who should be in that mix, but you're going to have to wait and see or listen. However you consume this podcast. Um another bullpen note. I know you mentioned Felix Peña. I just wanted to talk about Nick Anderson for a second. He got the final out of the game with the score 8 to 5 for the Tampa Bay Rays. A few people tweeted at me asking why he didn't get The save, and it was because the tying run was not on deck technically. And if you enter with a three run lead, it either has to be for a full inning to get the save or has to be with like runners on base. The tying run is on deck, and that's how you earn the save. So that's why Nick Anderson did not get the save in this particular instance. Some Apple Podcast review rating and review questions, Scott. Let's go a little rapid fire on these. From Caleb2405, rank these for next year. Kyle Tucker, Dom Smith, Ryan Mountcastle, Luke Voigt, in a head-to-head points league.
1: Okay, let me find the email real quick. Okay, I would rank them Luke Voigt number one, especially in a points league where you don't depend on steals as much, but still Tucker number two, Dom Smith number three, Ryan Mountcastle number four.
0: This one's from All the Help. Keeping Tatis, Bueller, and Freed. I have to select two more. Soroka, round 14. LeMahieu, round 4. Garrett Cole, round 2. Zach Greinke, round 8.
1: Cole and LeMahieu.
0: Let's go Yanks. All right, Scott. Coming over to the dock side. This one's from Alec1887. 10-team head-to-head categories league. I get to keep four. Judge for a 7th. Darvish for an 8th. Freed, 11th, Seeger, 12th, Sixto, 15th, Ian Anderson, 15th, Kenta Maeda, 19th. There were a bunch more, but I thought these were the best.
1: Thank you for narrowing it down for us. I appreciate that, truly. Darvish in the 8th, Maeda in the 19th, Seeger in the 12th, Freed in the 11th.
0: This one's from Mike in Rochester. 16-team uh, Roto with daily lineups. Keep five forever with no limitations. I have Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna already. I need three more from Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Yordan Alvarez, Max Fried, Lance Lynn, Corbin Burns, and Jesus Lazardo. Three of those.
1: Three of them. I'm going to go Castillo, Burns and it's between Gray and Alvarez. I think I think 16-team, and, and you can keep him forever. I think I go with Alvarez there as the third keeper.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Would you drop a $19 J.D. Martinez for a $1 Clint Frazier in a 10-team Roto Keeper League with OBP and slugging percentage instead of batting average and home runs? I am thinking that Frazier would be good trade bait in the offseason, and that J.D. Martinez... Would go for less in the draft.
1: Yeah, he probably will go for less than 19, 10 team, especially, 10 team league. Uh, I I don't know that Frazier's really going to be great trade bait in a 10 teamer. But I, I I'm fine with that move if you think he would be. I mean, you know, you know the habits of your league mates better than I do.
0: A user named ArchKiloKilo Kilo left five stars and a question, but there was no context, and there was no first name. So I was having an incredibly difficult time trying to figure out who these players were. Uh, were. So if you can email us at fantasybaseballatcbsi.com. at cbsi.com.
1: Frank going above and beyond to get the guy an answer. I'm trying, I like man. That.
0: that is that. That is <laughs> CBS and the letter I, by the way. Someone emailed us the other day and said, I didn't know if it was like CBS E-Y-E. Like, in, like your eyeball? Or well, yeah, I, I mean,
1: understandable, because CBS Eye, you know, the logo looks like an eye, so that's always been a thing. Right. But no, the eye stands for interactive, CBS, letter I, dot com.
0: Uh, so if you email us your question, Archie boy, I will, or girl, I will answer, I'll send you an answer. And last but not least, my man, Matt, go cards. He asked a lineup question on Monday. I'm sorry, Matt. But unfortunately, there is a bit of delay on the Apple Podcast rating and review questions. Those don't show up for us for like a day or two later than you actually post them. So I apologize. We weren't able to get to your lineup question. He is Scott White. I am Frank Staffel. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye.